Hey, precious peeps, how's it going? This is what happens when Jeremy goes away. Jeremy's gone. He's actually in, in, in Minnesota right now. He is, he's, he's been asked to be a speaker at a conference in, in Minneapolis, and so he got to do a couple of um, sessions up there. They hosted him. They reached out to Barbara, and they said, what is he like? to do, because we want to have a care package for him in his hotel room. We said, Dr. Pepper. Right? And you can't find Dr. Pepper. Sweet tea. Good. They go, what does he like to eat? I go, Buffalo Wild Wings. That's all I know. That's all I got. (laughs) And they're like, well, we can't really do that. So anyway, so he says, oh, they they had a a nice care package for me. I was like, that's cool. And I said, how cold is it? Because it's minus nine. I'm like, uh, okay, I'm glad he's doing it, not me. So, um, last week we finished, we started and finished the book of Joel. That we read through the book of Joel last week. This week we got through half of Amos. We went from chapter one to chapter five, and then next week we will finish Amos. So we're like halfway. Well, it's nine chapters, so we're more than halfway. But we. We are into another prophet. We're we're knocking these prophets out, man. We had, we've had Hosea, Joel, and now Amos. I got to tell you though, I, I'm sort of excited about doing this because Amos is one of my favorite prophets. He's 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 really an amazing guy. I I love this. We don't know that much about him, but I, we know a few things. Okay, one, he's not one of those prophets that came from the priestly. So he's from the you know the religious group that he could say, "Oh, thus saith the Lord," and everybody goes, "Oh, it must be from God." This guy, he's from out of town. Okay, he's from Tekoa, which is outside of Jerusalem, but 10, 20 miles south of Jerusalem, and he's not part of the priestly crowd. He is a farmer. Okay, this says your English translation when it says he's one of the shepherds. Okay, it's not shepherd like the Lord is my shepherd, just dealing with um, lambs and sheep. The word that we have that shepherd here is different, and that word is dealing with all kinds of animals, whether it be cattle, goats, sheep, you name it. So he's a rancher, okay? Thought about showing up here today with my cowboy hat, start talking a little like this, like I've been from and coming from, like John, you know. <laughs> and, because this is who Amos is. This isn't guy who's he's in the south. He's in Judah. He is a tender of sycamore trees. He is a rancher, and God says, "Go north and talk to the people of Israel." And so when he gets up there and talks there, he doesn't mince many words. He, he just says the way it is. How many of you know what biology means? Okay, biology is the study of life. Bioology, right? So geology, study of rocks. There is this idea of theology in the Bible. 
It's the study of God as he has revealed in his word. So today, I want us to do a little theology of Amos, okay? And see what we can find out, a study of God from what he, Amos, says in these first five chapters, okay? I've come up with five, oddly enough, and that we can look at from a few of the select scriptures I have from the first five chapters. So, Let's do a brief overview of the first couple of chapters. Amos goes up there, and he starts his wrath of God speech. Okay, his his prophet speak, where he says, you know, for the sins of three, maybe for four. Why why does he say that? Is there only three or four sins in each of these places? No, 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 no. Three, four, meaning it gets to completeness. Seven is, is complete. And so what a prophet speak is saying is here is that your sin is over, overflowing and it's done. God's done with you. So he's going to bring wrath. And Amos starts going, okay, Syria, Philistines, Edom, Phoenicia. All, and you can just hear the people in Israel going, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, serious. He deserves God's wrath. Oh, Phoenicia, oh, and those Philistines, those are bad people. And he's just making this circular route, and he gets closer and closer. And then, at the end of chapter 2, he says, And Israel, and, wait, wait, wait a minute, they, you like this story where they say, you know, God's going to get wrath on that guy over there because of what they did. And God's going to have wrath on that guy over there because of what he did. And God's going to have wrath on you for what you did. What? Hold on a minute here. This is what he's. This is what Amos is doing. It's, it's a form of getting the attention of the people, and he does that. And then we get. So there's a sort of bait and switch. So he's like telling, you know, God's going to get wrath, and like, oh yeah, speak it, brother, speak it. And then he goes to Israel, and for the rest of the. Book, basically, he's saying, Israel, you're in trouble. And so we get to chapter 3. And I will read the first two verses of chapter 3. Hear this word, people of Israel. The word the Lord has spoken against you, against the whole family I brought up out of Egypt. You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your sins. Now, when he's talking about the whole family of Israel, the whole family of Israel that was brought up out of Egypt, this includes Judah. So it's not just Israel, it's the whole people. Okay? And he says, You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your sins. This is the first theological principle that we need to comprehend. And I've come up with a name for it. It's called election responsibilities. Write that down. First one is election responsibilities. And what that means is, if we consider ourselves to be part of God's elect, part of God's chosen 
part of the one who's on God's side, then we have responsibilities. We have responsibilities. In Amos 3, verses 1 and 2, God is saying, because you, I chose you, I'm going to punish you because you've rejected me. Israel's rejection and disregard of God is all the more inexcusable in the light of God's great deliverance. In his bringing Israel up from the land of Egypt, God proved his love and care for Israel. For God to speak against them shows he must have been sorely provoked. The, sector, the central act of redemption in the Old Testament that God reminds them over and over and over again was him bringing them up out of Egypt. That's, that's why they had the Passover, to remember God brought you out and enslaved people left on their own to go to another land that has never happened before, that has never happened since. And it's because of God's love. So the central redeeming act in the Old Testament is him bringing up them out of Egypt. By the way, the central act of redemption in the New Testament and in God's whole plan of redemption is the work of Jesus on the cross. In the same way, we are called constantly to look back and remember what Jesus did on the cross. Why do you think we do communion every week? Because we don't want to forget. Because God knows we have a tendency to forget. So in the Old Testament, the prophets often will remind them, Hey, remember God? Remember God? He's the one who brought you out of Egypt. He's why you are in the land that you are in. He gave this to you. Because he loves you. And so, instead of thinking, Hey, I am so great because God chose me. So all of you must bow because God chose me. And I'm going to do whatever I want. Because God loves me. That's just not right. He's saying, if I chose you, if I picked you, which I did, and I gave you, you are my people, you have responsibilities. One is obedience. Two is to be a blessing to others. And Israel forgot that. If Israel thought that their standing as a special chosen nation made them less responsible before God, they were tragically mistaken. The false deduction, which is too often made, is that if we are the privileged people of God, we may look for his mercy. He will not punish us. That is not so. Yes, God is a God of mercy, but he has expectations if we are part of the elect. And that's a theological principle. 
that could be found outside of Amos. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, 5 and 6. The writer says this, And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. This is actually a quote from Psalm chapter 3. So, this is a principle that we know if you consider yourself to be chosen by God to follow God, you have some responsibilities. And those responsibilities are to give his name a good name. So, you have some election responsibilities. Okay? Number two, I'm going to read all of Amos 4 because I have a few more principles to talk about, but let's just cover Amos 4 because I think it's a good verse and I think, I mean, good chapter. And then you know you've read a chapter of Scripture on one day. Let's do it. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan on Mount Samaria, you women who oppress the poor and crush the needy and say to your husbands, bring us some drinks. The sovereign Lord has sworn by his holiness. The time will surely come when you will be taken away with hooks. The last of you with fish hooks. You will each go straight out through the breaches in the wall. And you will be cast out toward Harmon, declares the Lord. Go to Bethel and sin. Go to Gilgal and sin yet more. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three years or three days. Burn leavened bread as a thank offering and brag about your free will offerings. Boast about them, you Israelites, for this is what you love to do, declares the sovereign Lord. I gave you empty stomachs in every city and lack of bread in every town, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I also withdrew rain from you when the harvest was still three months away. I sent rain on one town, but withheld it from another. One field had rain, another had none, and dried up. People staggered from town to town for water, but did not get through, get enough to drink. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Many times I struck your gardens and vineyards, destroying them with blight and mildew. Locusts devoured your fig and olive trees. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I sent plagues among you, as I did to Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword, along with your captured horses. I filled your nostrils with the stench of your camps. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew some of you, as I overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. You were like a burning stick, snatched from the fire. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Therefore this is what I will do to you, Israel. And because I will do this to you, Israel, prepare to meet your God. He who forms the mountains, who created the wind, who reveals his thoughts to mankind, who turns dawn to darkness and treads on the heights of the earth, the Lord God Almighty is his name. I love that chapter. There are so many good things in here. 
that we can derive and to learn about the God that we serve. And did you did you notice the way it's almost like Amos is sort of like introducing God to the people of Israel? Hey, this is God. This is this is his name. This is Yahweh. And they're like, oh, okay. But shouldn't they have been like, of course we know who that is. And I love the fact that he calls the women in Samaria cows. That, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> Only a farmer can get away with that. I'm telling you. Listen, you could say, well, you know, those cows in Bashan were really famous to be, you know, they were strong, they were sturdy, they were able to, they were very known throughout. David mentions this, the, the cows of Bashan. But I guarantee you, you can never do well by calling a woman a cow. I don't care what the cow is. We've had a lot of cows in our sermons lately. We, yesterday, last week, we had the cows had the cabbage. Now we have the cows of Bashan, that are the women of Samaria. Huh. But let's go back to the second area that we need to know about God and what he expects of us. Remember, one first one was election responsibility. The second one is proper worship. I'll read from the New King James, the verses that 3 and 4. Come to Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal, multiply, multiply transgressions. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven. Proclaim and announce the freewill offerings. For this you love, you children of Israel. Remember, in Israel, the kings of Israel didn't want the people of Israel to go down to Jerusalem to properly sacrifice to the Lord in Jerusalem. Because they felt like if they did, then they would have allegiance to Jerusalem and not to the northern. Not a single king in Israel, the northern tribes, trusted God with his decision and letting the people go down to Jerusalem. So they built fake, counterfeit, Temples in the northern tribe, and the people who really wanted to serve God, really wanted to do sacrifices, went ahead and sacrificed there. And God said, That's not how I told you to do it. And so I will not accept it. They were never accepted by God because. In his law, he's pretty clear what you need to do. And where the temple is. But they made their own way. They did it their own way. And he says, and you love it. Of course they loved it. Because they could do it their way. He says, even if you brought your tithe, if your Bible says three years, it's actually three days. They tried, that's the law. The law is you were supposed to bring your tithe every three years. But Amos is trying, even if you brought your tithes every three days, it still wouldn't be good because I'm not going to receive it because you're not doing it my way. You're doing it your way. 
It says, for this you love. The children of Israel loved their corrupt worship. It was disobedient both in heart and action. But they loved it. So it should have been okay, right? Because it's about what you want. What makes you feel good. It's always wrong to measure the worship of God by how it pleases us. Because it is possible to be corrupt and disobedient in a wonderful, pleasing worship. Now, we don't want to get into thinking that worship must be hurt or dour to be holy and acceptable. That isn't the point. The point is that we don't first measure worship by how it makes us feel. We measure it by how it honors God. Let me repeat that. We don't first measure worship by how it makes us feel. We measure it by how it honors God. That's point number two. Continuing on in Amos 4, 6 and 8, it says, I gave you empty stomachs in every city, the lack of bread in every town, yet you have not returned to me. And he continues to say, you don't return to me. You don't return to me. You don't return to me. All of these things that God is listing that he said he did is disaster. Remember last week, locusts, withholding of rain, all these disasters going on, and God said, yeah, you did not return to me. Here's a principle for you. God may use, this is number three, God may use disasters to drive you to him. You know, sometimes we're going through some hard times. Sometimes we have, we face with some challenges, and we, our first thing is, God, why are you doing this to me? The answer may be, because I love you. How about that? I'm not punishing you. I love you. And I'm trying to get your attention. The greatest tragedy is anyone can stumble into sin, feel the correcting hand of God, but we are far greater trouble when we feel God's correction and still do not return to him. This wasn't a demonstration of God's anger, but of his love. He starts his chastisement slow and increases it incrementally so that he can use the smallest amount of discipline necessary to turn your hearts back to him. If we will not turn back at the hand of chastisement, may grow, maybe because of our own choices. But, The goal of God in any situation is repentance and relationship with him. Principle number three is God may use something disastrous in your life to drive you to him. I talk about this all the time. One of the most tragic days of my life was when I walked into work and they said, you're fired. It wasn't here. (laughs) Yet. <laughs> All right. But I was, I was crushed. 
I mean, I was all about being a restaurant manager. I thought, oh, this is what God wants me to do, blah, blah, blah. And I got fired. And I was like, what am I going to do? God, what is going on? I can't believe this. And because of that, I was able to seek out the next thing that God had me to do. And he was pretty clear. Started teaching at a high school, a Christian high school. And the rest is history. I mean, it's just like, what? God can use bad things in your life if it drives you back to him. I think that's a good thing. And we, we need to know sometimes when things happen and we're oh, freaking out. Okay, God, how can this be a good thing? You know, sometimes we can later on, in retrospect, thank God for something bad happening to us. Especially if it drives us back to him. How do I know this? Let's look in the New Testament. Let's look at Hebrews. Again, chapter 12. Starting in verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters of all. Wow. That's that's pretty good. Now let's go to chapter 5. And there's two I want to talk about here. And in chapter 5, Amos introduces the day of the Lord, which we talked about last week with Joel. The day of the Lord, day of the Lord. Everybody's like to talk about it. He says in chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 18, Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion, only to meet a bear, as though he entered his house and rested his hand on the wall, only to have a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light, pitch dark without a ray of brightness? Interesting. There were people in Israel. Remember, we started in chapters 1 and 2 where... Amos is pointing his finger at all the different countries surrounding Israel. And they all went, yeah, yeah. They're looking for the day of the Lord where God gets rid of all of these bad people. But the day of the Lord could very well be their punishment as well. Dark and blight. Now, I'm going to say something that might offend you. I'm not going to be like, Jeremy, I'm going to offend you. I'm just going to say, you might. But you know what? Sometimes I see people, yeah, really? And so I, I, I hear people, I just can't wait until Jesus comes back. Jesus just come today. And I, I, I know the point on that. I know that's, yes, because we sort of feel like, yeah, that's going to be great. But you know what? I'll be honest with you. I don't want Jesus to come back today. Do you know why? Because I have people that I love, that I know if Jesus shows up, they will have not made a decision to follow him and to love him. And that scares me. One thing I know about from all of my years, God is going to come 
when God's going to come. I do know that. I won't be able to stop him. I won't be able to have him come when I want him to come. He's going to come when he's going to come because he's God and I'm not. I get that. That means we need to get busy. And if God comes and the people that I love have not chosen him, it will because they will never have chosen him. So, just know that there are some people out there when you say, oh, I just can't wait for God to come. Okay, I get that. But there's some of us that are like, hold on, God, please. Please. Because I want more. I want more people with me in heaven with God. Day of the Lord. Number four. Don't always wish for the day of the Lord. The last one is the name of the Lord. If you notice, oftentimes when you read this week on Amos, it's sort of like he's pronouncing judgment on Israel, and then he just sort of like introduces people back to God again. Let's just look at a couple of these. Um, Amos 4.12, Therefore, this is what I will do to you, Israel, and because I will do this to you, Israel, prepare to meet your God. Israel, you've been doing everything in my name. Guess what? Now you're going to meet me, and it's not going to be a good thing. Amos 4.13 He who forms the mountains, who creates the wind, who reveals his thoughts to mankind, who turns dawn to darkness and treads on the heights of the earth, the Lord God Almighty is his name. As if they didn't know that. Again, look, that's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's the name Yahweh that they did not put there because they were afraid it was going to get... So it's just the Lord. But it's actually telling you, Amos is telling him, this is Yahweh. Can I tell you something? One of the things I've just started doing... In singing, you're going to laugh at this. Anytime someone says, or we sing, hallelujah, hallelujah means praise the Lord. Halle, and then Yah being for Yahweh. So lately when I've been singing hallelujah, or hallelujah, whatever, I say hallelujah Yahweh. I just get that extra Yahweh in there because... I want to praise the full name of God. Hallelujah. So if you see me doing that, and you go, what? So anytime, I, anytime in music I hear, hallelujah, which is great, because it says it means praise the Lord. But for me, personally, it's hallelujah, Yahweh. You know that's your name. I love you. Okay, I'll get off that. All right. Amos 5.8 says this, He who made the Pleiades... And Orion, who turns midnight into dawn and darkens day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out over the the face of the land, the Lord is his name. Yahweh is his name. Amos is taking the name of the Lord very seriously. Very seriously. I had a young man years ago. He was not 
I would say, walking the walk of a Christian. He was involved in drugs. He was very promiscuous. And he came to me and he says, Hey, I, I want to get Yahweh tattooed on my chest. And I said, I'm not going to tell you what to do or what not to do. But let me just give you an idea that God is very serious about his name. And if you're going to get Yahweh tattooed across your chest, you better make sure that your life reflects that who Yahweh is. Because he takes his name pretty seriously. And I brought up some of these verses. did not get that tattooed to his chest. He got a tattoo in his chest, but it wasn't say Yahweh. Won't even start where that went. Okay. And then Amos 5.27. Therefore I will send you into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is God Almighty. In the, in the times when he talks about the wrath... He continues to remind him, this is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. This is who the Lord is. And he names the place where they're going to go. Past Damascus. And we, find, we know historically, he was absolutely right. They went into Assyria. They were achieving, achieving peace during this time of Amos because people in Assyria weren't really on the attack. Do you know Why? Because another prophet went to Nineveh and said, Repent. And they did. Jonah! But they didn't repent forever. They ended up getting a big army. They came in. And they took everybody from the northern tribe away and had them settle somewhere else. Well, they killed most of them. And took the rest Never to return again. Why? Because God's a mean God? No. Because God cares about his name. God has some... He wants us to have some election responsibility. He cares how we worship. He might, might use some bad things to drive us back to him. Know that we serve a dangerous God. Don't get too chummy with God. We need to fear Him. We need to love Him because He's God and we're not. And we need to treat His name with respect. That's what Amos said in the first five chapters. That we should take to heart for theology. Is that right, Mark? All right. Can I tell you I love you? I, I, I'm loving the prophets. You guys loving the prophets? You guys just like, oh, we've got to go through the prophets. No, this is good stuff. All right, stand with me. What time is it? Boom. Gosh. Jeremy, if you're watching this, I'm five minutes early. Boom. What now? This is how we run church when you're gone, buddy. <clears throat> I didn't mean that. Sorry. Okay. All right, let me pray for you, and I will send you on your way. If you need prayer, if 
you have prayer requests, you can do it one of two ways. You can write it down. You can put it in text in church. And you can send your, your prayer requests. The first thing tomorrow, the elders are going to come together. And we're going to pray for you. And we're going to pray like crazy. Can I tell you, there's been some great answered prayers lately. And it's because of people praying. His people praying. On Thursdays, on Mondays, here in church on Sunday. Man, we're just a bunch of prayers. Prayers. Errs. Okay, I'll pray for us. Or you can come up here. The elders will be up front. They'll be happy to intercede on your behalf and do that. So let's take care of business. Father God, we come before you. We thank you and praise you for who you are. You are an amazing God. Help us to revere you more. Help us to be responsible for how we give your name a good name by our actions, by our obedience by our speaking of truth, by our loving one another. Various things like that, Lord. We love you, Lord. Help us, shape us, change us. Every Every time we dive into your word, help us to be a little bit more refined of lovers of you. Help us, Lord. Thank you and praise you. I ask for an extra measure of your blessing on your family here at Heights. Lord, give them the blessings or the disasters as you see fit. Help us, Lord. Thank you for all that you do. You're an amazing God. Jesus Christ, whose name we pray. Amen.